This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message, Already in Progress. that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. God is good all and all the time and His mercy endures forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. Amen. If you have your Bibles, quickly open them up to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. If you have it, go ahead and stand. While you're looking for it and you're standing, I'll go ahead and tell you a little story. I was uh, watching a preacher this morning, and he told the story of this church service. They got to the end of the church service and got ready to, the pastor got ready to give the benediction and they sing a hymn for their benediction. And one of the deacons stood up and said, Pastor, before you do, I have a word of uh, testimony to give about repentance. He said, uh, last night I was so convicted of Jesus that I took all of my beer out of my house and I poured it in the river. He said, and then I got even more convicted, and I took all of the wine in my house, and I poured it in the river. He said, I got so convicted, Miss Carmen, that I took out all the whiskey out of my house, and I took it and poured it in the river. And so he talked about his convicting experience with Jesus. He finished, went back to his seat, and the pastor said, for our benediction hymn, let's all sing, let's go to the river. Let the church say, Amen. 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 Uh, Miss Tracy, you're laughing a little too loud. Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through uh, 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Let each person say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. So today is part four in our series, Unwrap Your Spiritual Gifts. It actually concludes the series. We have looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have looked at Romans chapter 12. And specifically of spiritual gifts in the New Testament is here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, every text needs a context so the context in which we find 1 Peter chapter 4 is the book of 1 Peter. 
Peter, the disciple of Jesus, writes, 1 Peter, he writes it to a number of churches, not an individual or a specific church. And he writes to Jewish believers who are struggling in the midst of persecution. Peter encourages them to conduct themselves courageously for the person and the program of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lesson of 1 Peter is to push through troubles. It's to recognize their temporary presence in our lives while walking in holiness and hope as the people of faith. The book of 1 Peter is written to a troubled group of believers. The book of 1 Peter is written at a time where things are uncertain. The book of 1 Peter is written during a time where Nero is the Caesar of Rome. And you know what kind of madman Nero was. Immediately after the, this passage, in verse 12, it says, Don't be surprised about the fiery ordeal that is among you. Because Nero would set Christians on fire. Men and women, this was a difficult time for Christians. It was a, a, a time of great turmoil and persecution and trouble and struggle. Now, I'm not saying that this pandemic is that same type of time. No, it is not the same type of time. But there are Christians who've been martyred in Afghanistan. There have been earthquakes in Haiti. There have been hurricanes down on the Gulf Coast. And although we may not be experiencing the same kind of trouble, make no mistake, God's people are. God's people are living in the midst of uncertainty and struggle. They're living in the midst of difficulty and danger. In men and women, there is a word from the Lord. And, and I hesitated as I thought about preaching this last word on, on, on spiritual gifts. But every text needs a context. And so we are going to talk about spiritual gifts, but we're going to talk a lot about the context in which Peter writes his message to the struggling group of believers. And I could be talking to a struggling group of believers now. It could be that, that, that you have your own struggles and difficulties in your lives. It could be that you're living in quiet desperation. It could be that nobody knows the trouble in which you have seen. It could be that if it were up to you, you pull out every hair in your head. It could be like Evie Hill used to say, Oh, if I had wings, I'd fly away. But with my luck, there'd be colored folk there too. Men and women, we need to make sure that we get a word from God in difficult times. And I believe that there is a specific word here. Now, it's not one of the points, but the context of this word is in the first phrase. And the first phrase of this passage says, but in the end... Uh, but the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Men and women, I don't think we talk about end time theology enough. I don't think we talk about how end time theology should motivate us. Should stir us to love and to good deeds. He starts off talking to these believers in this particular part of, of first, uh, first Peter chapter 4 by saying the end of all things is at hand. He is saying that Jesus is getting ready to come back. 
Now you may say, well, Pastor Mike, that has been written 2,000 years ago and he's still not back. Well, what I would tell you is that there is nothing else that has to happen by way of prophecy for Jesus to return. He could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. He could come back while I'm preaching. Because the end of all things is at hand. Well, if you don't believe that, let me show you in the scriptures that over and over and over again, God wants to remind us that we are living in the last days. You don't have time to turn there, but the references should be up on the screen. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Means he's getting ready to come back. James chapter 5 verse 8 says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the, the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. And then Revelation chapter 22 Verse 20 says, But he who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Men and women, we are living in the last days. Men and women, uh, in the early church, at the preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 2, it says there were 3,000 souls that came to know Jesus. Let's round it off. It says 3,000 men. There were women and there were children. Let's say less than 10,000 had come to know Jesus. Well, if you just fast forward a couple of hundred years, the number of believers was in the millions. Why? Because those early Christians were living in the light of the fact that Jesus could come back at any moment. That Jesus could come back tomorrow. That they had to hurry up and witness. And they had to hurry up and disciple. And they had to hurry up and share that Jesus saves. That he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. There is no longer a barrier between you and God. He has removed the dividing wall. And he's coming back. As sure as he came the first time, he's coming back the second time. And over and over, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand, by which we know it is the last hour. Surely I'm coming quickly. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. And Peter says, the end of things is at hand. Well, Pastor Mike, why is that important? Because it sets the framework for what is to come after. Because I believe the text gives us four, four, uh, 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 four points on our job description of, of living in the last days and living in troubled times and living in, in an insecure world, knowing this because the Lord being at hand is actually two sides of the coin. It is twofold. It is Jesus coming back. In a physical way to end the world. He, the Lord, is at hand. But also for each one of us. We don't know the day nor the hour He will come for me. 
So it's Jesus coming back in the final hour. But it could be, and it's, it's most assuredly that I am living in my last days. My brother was 59 years old. Just left a Thanksgiving gathering. My niece, my nephew, other family members were there. He said, I think I'll go home. My nephew who lived with him, my brother left about four in the evening. My nephew didn't come till home till midnight. My brother didn't make it to the front door. He died on the front porch. Probably laying there from 4.35 o'clock when he got home to when my nephew found him at midnight. Just like that. The end of all things is at hand. You don't know the day nor the hour in which Jesus will say, it's your time. So what are we to be involved in? What kinds of things are we to do? I submit to you, church, that there are four things in this text that we need to be busy doing. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time sharing them with you. I hope that you would go back and watch this and study the things that God's people are supposed to be involved in in these last days. Point number one. Point number one is found in verse seven. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. We are to have serious and watchful prayer. The scripture gives us this admonition that we're to pray for everybody. We're to pray at all times. We're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray and fast. We're to pray in the name of Jesus. We're to pray according to his will. We're to pray and not give up. The most important and the, the, the most substantial and, and the most life-changing activity that we can be involved in is prayer. But the most difficult activity that we can be involved in is prayer. Well, Pastor Mike, why do you say that? I say that because the text doesn't just say pray. This text says, I want you to be serious and I want you to be watchful in your prayers. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is with his disciples and he says, y'all stay here. I'm going to go up and pray. He takes with him Peter, James, and John. He gets to the place where he wants to pray, and he says to them, you all stay here. And he just goes a few feet further, and he begins to pray. But he says to them beforehand, I want you to watch, and I want you to pray with me. Well, he finishes his time of prayer. We know that it was probably about an hour because in verse 40 it says that he came back to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, I don't know if you've had this experience, and it may just be that confession is good for 
the soul, but wrath for the reputation. I have gotten down on my knees at the foot of my bed and made it my point that I was going to spend some concerted time in prayer with God. And before you know it, I was snoring. Because the spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. Notice he tells Peter, James, and John, I want you to watch and I want you to pray because soon and very soon he would be arrested and he would die on a cross. It was going to be his last days living on this earth. And what I want you to do is to watch and to pray lest you enter into temptation. We got to watch. And we got to pray. That's our first order of business. But number two, number two in verse eight, it says, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So we're to have fervent love for people. And men and women, just later for, the, for all that talk about loving Jesus, you just don't like people. That is an oxymoron. Loving God and loving people go together. And men and women, I think that it's not by chance that God would have Peter say, uh, Love the brethren fervently, for love will cover a multitude of sins. One of the drawbacks of trying to love people is that you discover that people don't think the way you do, and people don't feel the way you do, and people don't do the way you do. People sin. People hurt your feelings. People let you down. People wound you. All of that. And what he says is, fervently love them because love covers a multitude of sin. If you want to love someone authentically and you want to love someone genuinely, then you got to forgive them of their sins. There, there's no other way. Stop saying, well, I love you and then I'm going to talk behind your back. And we'll see how, how hideous and how heinous that can be in just a minute because either you're going to cover people's sins or you're going to talk about them. You don't believe me? Don't look at me like that. Genesis chapter 9. You don't have to turn there. You all know the story. Noah had gotten drunk in his tent. Noah had gotten drunk and evidently he was doing some things in his tent he shouldn't do because it said he got drunk and he was naked. His son Ham goes in and sees him naked. And immediately he comes out of the tent. He sees his brother Shem and Japheth. And he says to them, hey, dad in there naked. Now there's a whole lot more he probably said. But that's all we have recorded. And you pick up at, at Genesis chapter 9 verses 22 and 23. And it says, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment. They laid it on their shoulders and they began to walk backwards. They walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. Well, what does that have to do with anything? When you find a brother or a sister, a family member, a friend, and they're, they're in sin. We got two options, y'all. We could talk about them or we could cover them. And God says that true love covers them. No, it doesn't excuse them of their sin. But no, you don't purposefully expose them to everybody else. 
You don't purpose, purposefully uh, insult them by doing that. If we did that, we would, we, everybody would be fighting against one another because everybody would be making it their point to out one another. And you don't want to live in a world like that. But if my brother and my sister has sinned, I need to cover them. And I need to confess about talking about them. Talking about them behind their back instead of talking to them and helping them out of their sin. If any brother is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness. These last days, above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sin. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Well, Pastor Mike, well, you're talking about covering people's sin, then, then you're letting them get away with stuff. No, there's a difference between letting them get away with stuff and ministering grace yeah. on people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Loving them to Jesus. Number one, have serious and watchful prayer. Number two, have fervent love for one another. Number three, most difficult for me, be hospitable. Pastor Mike, you're hospitable. No, not in the biblical context. Because the biblical context here, a person who is hospitable invites into your home both friends and strangers at any time. This was a very highly esteemed ministry in that day. So if you were traveling, it'd be nothing for you to knock on somebody's door and say, Hey, I'm traveling. It's getting late. I'm tired and weary. Do you have a place? And those who are hospitable would say, Come on, what's mine is yours. Here, let's fix you something to eat. Let's get you a bed. That's why in the Old Testament you find that, that those who were hospitable and practiced that activity would sometimes entertain angels unaware because they had the gift of hospitality. Do you know that the gift of hospitality that is so important that if you were not hospitable, you wouldn't even be saved? How do you say that, Pastor Mike? Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, in the proverbial door of your heart and your life, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. We will have relationship because you are so hospitable. You invited me to come into your life. And some of us have invited Jesus into our lives and we didn't know that much about him. We learned about him later. Men and women, this is so important. And I think for us, we need to begin thinking through how we can practice the ministry of hospitality. The ministry of opening up our homes. And, and, and not just opening up our homes, but having an environment where people want to interact with us. I tell Brother Curry all the time, every once in a while at, at prayer breakfast, because he's always got a smile and he's always greeting and he's always willing to enter into a conversation. And young people at VACA Youth Detention Facility, they flock to him. And I told him one Saturday at prayer breakfast, I said, uh, uh, Deacon Curry, your face has a sign on it. And it says, Welcome. 
He has a welcoming demeanor and he has a welcoming face. Uh, he says, well, well, Pastor, why do you tell me that? I said, because some people's faces say enter at your own risk. <laughs> Men and women, we can't be hospitable. If, if the look in our face is enter at your own risk. I don't know if I'd be willing to let somebody, it, it, to do homeless ministry and say, hey, if, if say, they said, well, I need some place to stay, Pastor. I don't know if I'd be able to take them home. I don't know if, if, if uh, Kim would put me and the person out if I brought them home. I don't know. But that's what biblical hospitality was. My grandmother experienced that and lived out biblical hospitality. And that was back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s when folk didn't know no better. They just obeyed the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Practice hospitality because you could be entertaining angels unaware. These strangers. 3 John chapter 1, verse 5 uh, John is talking to Gaius and he says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do, both for the brethren and for the strangers. He ministered hospitality. Before I leave the point, how can you apply this in your own life? May not be having people in your home, but just being hospitable. Last but certainly not least, verses 10 and 11. As each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So, the one activity that we are to be involved in in these last days, because the last day is at hand, is to pray. The, the, the next activity is to fervently love. And the third activity is to be hospitable. But notice what he says in verses 10 and 11. The last activity is to use your spiritual gift. Use your gift. Use your gift to build up the body of Christ. Use your gift to bless somebody else. Use your gift to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Use your gift to bring Him glory. Use your gift so that you will be doing that thing that God created you for. Use your gift. If you got one, and if you belong to Jesus Christ, you do. Use it. Come on, y'all. The day of the Lord is at hand. I don't want him to come back and say, what have you been doing? Well, Lord, I've just been watching reality TV. Well, Lord, I've just been shopping. Well, Lord, you know it's a pandemic. I've just been trying to stay safe. I gave you a gift. You can use it. If you can't use it in person, use it on Zoom. I'm just saying. Notice in the text, 
that it says as each one has been has received a gift. You have received a gift if you belong to Jesus Christ. It says minister it to one another. And then it says as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He has given you this gift and you are a steward of the gift. That means you are a manager of the gift. And in stewardship, biblical stewardship says that you have been given the resources that belong to another with the idea that someday and sometime you will have to give an account. So most of the time in church we talk about stewardship with regard to money and God gives us money. He gives us everything that we have comes from him and he we will have to give an account to how we spend it and how we used it. But what we don't talk enough about enough is that God has given us gifts. God has given us the gospel. God has given us a ministry. God has given us activity. And we are to be stewards of that as well. And he will come back and say, what did you do with what I gave you? And it has a reflection on who he is. When Jesus gives the story of the servants that that got five talents, two talents, and one talent, the one with five doubled it. The one with two doubled it. The one who had one talent, he said, I buried my talent uh, in the ground because I knew that you were an exacting man taking up what you didn't lay down and reaping what you didn't sow. What he was saying was, I hid it under the bushel, God, because you are unfair. You are unrighteous and you are unworthy and and you're going to want it back. So I'm just going to give you back what you gave me. And the Lord says to him, the manager says, oh, did you know I was an exacting man? Taking up what I didn't lay down and reaping what I did not sow. And then he tells his servants, take that one away from him. Because God isn't like that. God is a good God. God is a righteous God. God is a holy God. God is a loving God. God is a God who cares about us more than we care about ourselves. God is a God who died on a cross for us and demonstrated his love for us. And men and women, if he gives us a gift, he wants us to use it. And he promises if we use it, it will be multiplied. Amen or oh me. Amen. Look, y'all, we need to use our gifts. The other thing it says is, it says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability that God supplies. And it almost gives you the idea that Peter is not trying to list gifts here. He is trying to categorize them. So some of our gifts are speaking gifts. And some of our gifts are ministry or serving gifts. You need to determine what type of gift that God has given you. The preaching gift is not the only speaking gift. The gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement is a speaking gift. The gift of giving is a ministry gift. The gift of, 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 of mercy can be both. Sometimes they take both categories. But men and women, you determine, well, has God gifted me in the things that I say? Or has God gifted me in the things that I do? Or has God gifted me in both? And I need to be busy doing them. So if you preach, preach to the glory of God. If you open your mouth and encourage people, encourage them to the glory of God. If you serve and fix stuff and give people stuff and and, and are involved in people's lives, do it to God's glory. 
These are the two categories. And he says it not only for us to do them, but then he says, lastly, that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You are never more like God than when you minister to other people without receiving anything in return. You are never more like Jesus than when you watch and you pray because the Word of God says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. You are never more like Jesus than when you fervently love people because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but should have everlasting life. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are never more like Jesus and it brings glory to the Lord when you fervently love people. The way He loved you. You are never more like Jesus than when you are hospitable. Because He not only invites you into His house, He says, you're no longer a slave, I call you a friend. You are no longer on the outside, but now you are on the inside. You're no longer outside of the family, but I call you sons and daughters of the Most High God because I purchased your salvation on the cross. You are never more like Jesus than when you are hospitable. You are never more like Jesus when you lose the gift, when you exercise uh, uh, the, the, the things and the activity and, and, and the ministry that God has created you for. Because Jesus was created to minister. Jesus was created to serve. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. John the Baptist looked and saw Jesus and pointed his disciples and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus fulfilled his ministry. Jesus was a good steward of everything his father had given him. Jesus saw his father working, so he would work. Jesus heard his father talking, so he would talk. Jesus lived every single second on this earth to bring glory to himself and to his father. Men and women, in these last days, we've got to bring him glory. In these last days, we've got to share our faith. In these last days, we've got to pray for people, love on people, invite people into our lives. In these last days, we've got to use the gifts that God has given us. Years ago, my niece and nephew were teenagers. And they thought on Christmas Day that it would be a funny thing to give their daddy, my brother, a gag gift. My brother, I called him on Christmas morning. I said, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. He could tell he was down. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, you know, the kids are with their mama. I'm by myself. He said, and Mike, the past month and a half, I've worked overtime. So that I could put some money on a card and give each one of them a card and say, you can get whatever you want. Whatever you get is a gift from daddy. And so they used it. They spent 
all of the resources to get whatever they wanted to get. And then they, they brought last night a big box and it was heavy. It was really, really a large box and I got real excited. I said, for once they're grateful. For once they've given me a gift. For once they, they, they understand how difficult it is and I've given them gifts and now they've given me a gift. And I, I was so excited. And before you called, about 30, 40 minutes before you called, I unwrapped the gift and they had all of this paper in the gift. And I got down at the bottom of the gift and there were two bricks. At the bottom of the box. He said, so I'm just a little down. I know it was a gag gift. I know I'm supposed to laugh. But I've given them everything that I can. I've given out everything that I can. And this is what I get in return. The greatest gift that we could have ever received was salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood for us on the cross. The greatest gift that we could ever receive is to be able to know God personally because He has made a way. The greatest gift that we could have ever received was eternal life to know that we will live forever just the same way when Jesus rose the man, raised the man from the dead and said, though He were dead, yet shall He live. The greatest gift that we could give that we could get was from Jesus. And I'm just so concerned, church, that the gift that we give him back in response are two large bricks. Two large bricks that indicate that we don't understand. We don't understand the sacrifice. We don't understand the investment. We don't understand what he has done for us. And as we conclude this series on gifts, what, you act, what will you give Jesus? What kind of stewardship of your gifts will you use? Will you investigate what your gift is? Once you find out what it is, will you begin using it? Be a good steward. It is the only appropriate response. The only response. And even if you don't, let me say this. He's going to love you anyhow. Even if you don't, I'm just exhorting you to do. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your love and your grace in each one of our lives. Lord, we thank you that through your Holy Spirit you have given us gifts to bring you glory. Lord, if there is one today who has never received you as Savior and Lord, I pray that they would receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. All they have to do is confess their sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I need your saving grace. I've tried to obey you enough. I've tried to keep your commandments. I've tried to do good. Lord, I need you. I need your saving grace in my life. I need the change that you could bring about in my life. Save me. And then all you have to do is put all of your faith and your trust that Jesus and Jesus alone is your only hope for salvation. Lord, I put all my trust in you. Lord, I put all, all of my effort and confidence in you and not myself. I acknowledge that your death on the cross was sufficient. Father God, if there's one today that already knows Jesus and yet they, they've been bogged down, they, they felt uh, discouraged and depressed and defeated. Lord, 
It's, sim- it's a simple confession. Lord, I've been defeated. I need your victory. Thank you for your victory for me. Thank you that I walk in newness of life. Thank you that I don't have to beg you for the, for the victory. You've already won the victory for me. I don't, I don't serve uh, trying to get victory. I serve from victory. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray that in Jesus' name. Let each person say amen. 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 And amen. amen. God bless you.